This is your daily real estate syndication show, and I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today is a highlight show that's packed with value from different guests around a specific topic. Don't forget to like and subscribe, but also go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up to start investing in real estate today. I hope you enjoy the show. What is Agent Ignite? Are you wondering how you can make more money and create a competitive advantage for yourself and your clients in this ever-competitive real estate industry? Agent Ignite is the key to furthering your knowledge, establishing your expertise, and positioning yourself as a go-to expert. They deliver new and relevant knowledge so you can expand your clientele, close more deals, and ultimately increase income. Each month features a new guest speaker who will deliver on what is most relevant for your business. As a member of DMAR's Market Trends Committee, an avid champion for building wealth through real estate, and a self-proclaimed data geek, Nicole will share market trends and commentary that will add value to you and your clients. Staying up to date on industry statistics coupled with niche topics delivered by industry experts will help you motivate your buyers and sellers and make you more money. Sign up for the next Agent Ignite session at theruthteam.com slash events. That's T-H-E-R-U-E-T-H team.com forward slash events. Our guest is Mike Simmons. Thanks for being on the show, Mike. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Mike is the producer and host of Just Start Real Estate, one of the top real estate podcasts in the world. About five years ago, Mike exploded his real estate investing businesses, growing it from 1 million in profits in just 12 months. That's incredible, Mike. I know a lot of the listeners like they have their little ears perked up now, but Mike is a real estate mentor, coach, and partner in Seven Figure Flipping, one of the nation's largest real estate mastermind groups. Note, Mike is not involved in the commercial real estate business but his experience can certainly be translated into helping investors and really entrepreneurs in any business, I think. Mike, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing some of the stories, especially you know taking your business to $1 million in 12 months. I know most people would dream about that. And you probably dreamed about it for years before actually making it happen and getting started. So get us started by just telling us a little more about who you are in case the listeners haven't heard of you. Yeah, sure thing. So I'm a Midwest guy, born and raised in Michigan. I am the son of automotive and automotive family here in, in Michigan. It's very much automotive driven. And the goal and the mission for me, from my parents' point of view, was to get into a union job that had benefits and a retirement and stay there for 30 or 40 years and kind of scrape away until you can retire at 65 or whatever the case may be. And that was sort of the goal. And I had nobody in my family that was an entrepreneur or supported entrepreneurialism or even knew what that even meant. And so for me, I kind of went down that path early in my life. Right out of high school, I got a job at a union company. It wasn't automotive, but a union company had my benefits, the whole thing. I'll just say what it was. It doesn't really matter. It's UPS. I got started working for UPS. Parents were thrilled, super secure, right? But I hurt myself. I hurt my back. It's a, it's a physical job, especially when you're starting out in that company. I was loading trucks. So I hurt my back and realized, okay, I can't stay here. Went into a more automotive, traditional automotive type of a job. Parents are excited. I'm going along thinking everything's great. And then around 2000, if everyone who's in that industry or, or was around back then to know, in 2000, things went kind of bad. We had the tech bubble burst and we had the automotive industry went totally in the tank. And there were a lot of layoffs in my industry. And when that was happening, I kind of looked around and said, ah, I'm not special here. I don't have a college degree. I got into a job right out of high school. And I started thinking about what I wanted to do with my life and how I wanted to ensure that I'm, I'm not one of those folks that 
get left behind in terms of a job. So I looked into real estate, but it really started as a product of me looking into how I could retire, how I could invest. And I started off stocks and stock trading and day trading and all these things like the stock market that I thought was going to be my ticket. I'll invest money, make my money work for me. The problem with investing in the stock market is I hated it. I, I wasn't interested. It was boring. I got really bored when I was researching it. And so my, I would wander on the internet into like sports sites and just anything that I could do that wasn't stocks, right? But eventually when you Google investing, you'll, you'll end up on real estate investing if you scroll down far enough, right? So I hit real estate investing and I was like, whoa, this is exciting. And I couldn't get enough. I was voracious. I was just absorbing all the real estate stuff I could. And eventually made my first offer at a house and the first one got accepted and things went really bad. This was like now fast forward a little bit, 2008. So what we're going to talk about probably in a few minutes, I'll, I'll illustrate what happened between like 2003 and 2008 that will kind of shed a little more light on I think what a lot of people do and struggle with. But 2008 made my first offer, got accepted. The bank that I was going to finance through went under. I lost my deposit. It was a big disaster. Four months later, got another accepted offer on a house in the same neighborhood for half the price, okay? So if you're doing the math at home, the lesson here is I would have lost my shirt on the first house because prices started dropping so fast that it was sort of a blessing that I lost that first deal because the house prices got cut in half almost overnight. So I did my first deal, made good money. It was, it was kind of proof to my wife, who's a little more conservative than me, that this thing can work. And, and I was off to the races from that point forward. Wow. So, so why did you stay in after the first deal? I mean, why, why go to the first one? Why go to the next one after that one was so bad? Yeah, I could say because I'm tenacious and I, I love, you know, the thrill of the hunt. Really what it was, to be honest with you, my wife and I took a, a weekend coaching or mentoring type of a thing. It was $3,000 for the two of us for one weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, a local guru kind of like showed us the ropes. And to be honest with you, when we were done with that, my wife was not going to let us not succeed. Like she's like, we spent all that money. You are not going to sit on Not that I wanted to sit on the couch, but like she was absolutely like, we're doing this. We spent the money. We will not waste that money. We will do this. And it was great to have that support because we went out there and just went for it. And, and things turned out great. But with, like with a lot of people, if that first deal, if, if we had lost a lot of money, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, I, I really wanted it bad, but I'm also married and I have a relationship that means a lot to me. And it, it might have not been as easy to convince my wife to keep going if we had lost money in the first deal. Thankfully, we made good money in the first deal. And that was just all the proof she needed. And I just went for it after that. Nice. Okay. But so it was helpful for you, though, to actually to actually bring your spouse to an event like that and them get educated as well. I know that's a common that's a common problem. Like there's one, you know, there's a spouse who just wants nothing to do with it, feels like it's too big of a risk. But there's there's one that really wants to get into it. And and it's difficult. Right. If you don't have that support and, and, and if you value that relationship, you're, you know, you need to think through that. Right. Totally. And, and Whitney, I'll tell you what, I know people that have spouses that are not totally into this real estate investing world and they're not they're not convinced. And it, it's 10 times harder. I, I won't lie. I had an advantage that my wife was behind all of this and she was into it. But bringing her into the world was what it took. I think some people go, I'm just doing this thing and this is what I want to do. And they don't, they don't invite them in. And it, it's harder when you're looking from the outside at you. How do I get convinced of something if you won't let me be around it? So I, I 
brought her into immersed her in the real estate world and and she was she was excited so that made all the difference so they treat it kind of like it's their own hobby over here on the side i guess some people instead of yeah uh, involving their spouse yeah i mean if you're a golfer and you want your wife to be cool with you golfing bring her golfing like bring her into it right or bring him into it if you enjoy golfing and you have a husband who doesn't want to do it bring him in like if you really want to be able to do it a lot like Make them a part of it, right? So, and she's conservative. So it would have been an impossible sell if she hadn't thought or saw the opportunity. So she did. Nice. Well, I know your specialty is like helping people get started. I mean, in helping them to just make that leap. And it's hard. It's, it's in looking back, it's like the hardest part of it, right? It's getting started. Once you get past that, just a little ways, it's, it's so much brighter, right? I mean, and things start to happen and you can make things happen a lot easier than when you got started. But what about for you? You know, how about elaborating a little bit on, and let's just jump into how you help people get started, maybe some of the things that hold them back, even your story to getting to, you know, taking your business to a million dollars within 12 months. All right. I, I will, I'll illustrate the difference between someone who can accelerate their business and someone who isn't accelerating their business. And I, cause I've been both people. So I can sympathize. I do sympathize with folks that have a hard time getting started. I decided in 2003, I wanted, I was interested in real estate. I want to do this. I, I think this is my, my thing, my passion, my calling, whatever. And I didn't buy my first house till 2008. Right. So what happened, Mr. Mr. Just start. What happened? Well, I started researching. I started reading books and I started, I got paralysis analysis. I kept thinking, A, either I don't know enough and I'm concerned that I don't know enough or B, there would be a new book, a new strategy. I would go to a RIA. There would be some speaker. Like I just kept getting this shiny object syndrome and I couldn't decide where or how to start. So for me, it was like paralysis analysis and excuses, excuse, excuse. And the only thing it really was, was honestly, I just was afraid to start. So I finally got started and took some action. And frankly, I didn't come from that entrepreneurial family. And that's not necessarily an excuse. It's just a reality. I had no one in my life as an example to just go for it and take life by the horns. And, and I tell my kids all the time, you can choose your life or you, your life can choose itself. It can, it can dictate what's going to happen, right? Or you can dictate. Life rarely makes decisions for you that you don't have any control over that you love. Usually things happen to you when you let them happen to you. But when you take charge, you're in charge, right? So that was number one. I had to take charge. But once I did that, I realized I like taking action. I enjoy implementing things and seeing what happens. I like steering my own boat. I don't like having a captain telling me where I'm going. I like being the captain. So when I started, it was almost like for me, it was like a drug. It was a good drug, but it was like a drug. Having control, knowing what I want to do, implementing it, seeing the results, making you know corrections or course corrections or whatever along the way, and then relaunching the idea. Like I love that. I got addicted to it. And, and so I started taking massive action. Now, how did I get from kind of doing a deal here and there, which is what I was doing for the first handful of years and trying to figure out how to grow? I was having a hard time cracking the code because I was too small to hire. But if I didn't hire, I was going to stay small, right? This whole catch 22 right. logic that I had back then. And, and I'm only one person. So I, there's only so many hours in the day. And I had kids, I had a wife, I had a house, you know, and in the beginning I had a job. I was kind of doing this on the side. So what does it take? Well, for me, and what I think for a lot of people it takes is getting around other people that are like you. They have the same mindset. And so for me, I joined a mastermind, a real estate mastermind. And I, I'm not saying like a local RIA. I mean like an actual legit mastermind of people who pay to be there, right? So if you pay, 
you pay attention a lot of times, things that are free, sometimes people take it for granted. They don't take it seriously. And I can illustrate that point very well in a minute. But so I got involved in the mastermind with folks who were kind of where I was, and some of them were far beyond where I was. And the people who were far beyond where I was, I was able to sit down and, and sort of forensic you know, analysis and deconstruct their, their businesses and say, what did you do that worked? Like you were where I am three years ago. Now you're where I want to be. What happened in that three years? What did you do? And what did you do wrong? What mistakes did you make? And if it took you three years and you can articulate to me what you did in those three years, right and wrong, imagine if you could live your entire life, Whitney, with hindsight, always with hindsight, right? You're about to make a decision. You could go five years in the future, see what that decision outcome was, come back and make the appropriate decision. To me, that's what surrounding yourself with the right people can help you do. You get hindsight. You use their hindsight to make decisions in your similar or exact same company. And that's what we did. So I took a gentleman, his name is Andy McFarlane, a great mentor of mine. He was three to four years ahead of me. And I said, dude, tell me what you did. And I'm going to compress that because if I can't beat three or four years, knowing all of the hindsight that you created, shame on me. And I did that and I compressed it. And to be honest with you, that's the basis of the book that I wrote. I, I, people ask me all the time, how did you go from doing a deal or two to doing 12 to 14 as a wholesaler and a, and a house flipper? How did you do that? And I'll tell you what, little spoiler alert for anyone who's interested, it wasn't software. It wasn't like a specific technique that I did or some interesting way of making offers. Those are strategies that help make you better for sure. But it's way more than that. It's a little more high level. It's hiring. It's creating a team, a culture within the team that you that you create that makes them want to run through walls for you. And by the way, hiring people that are better than me at specific jobs, I'm okay at a lot of stuff in my business. I'm really good at some things and I'm passable at others. I own the company. I had to realize I'm not the best salesperson in my company, nor should I be. It's not my background. It's not my strength. You don't want to be. I don't want to be. I did it and I was competent. But when I brought a person into my on my team who was an actual salesperson, whoa, I, I just marvel. I said, so that's what a salesperson is because it's not me. And they, they blew it up for me. So having that mindset of, I need to build a team, right? And it doesn't have to be all employees that you're paying. I get it. I hear what people are saying. I don't have the money to hire people. I, I can't do it. Trust me. There are creative ways to bring people onto your team and build a team that helps you grow. And then as you grow, you can bring actual people on that maybe are salaried or commissioned or whatever, but building that team and then creating the systems that allow the team to run. One of the biggest mistakes that people make in, in business, not just our business, but any business. I was in the automotive industry for a long time and I would see the best engineer in the department, the engineering department, the best engineer they had. What do you think they did to that guy? They promoted him. They made him the engineering manager. And then you realize, oh, wow, he's a horrible manager. Great engineer, horrible manager, right? We do the same things in our own business. We create this investing company that's really, really good. And we're doing everything. And we're good at what we do. And we're building this thing. And we're great technicians. And then we start bringing on a team and we elevate ourselves to management. And we realize we can't manage, right? So understanding that there's a step, there's a process there. You're going from being the technician to being the, the visionary, right, for your company. There's a difference. Teaching people how to do what you do and doing it is totally different. So having systems and processes that are repeatable and make sense and having lanes for everyone on your team just creates a really, really good company. And then, you know, I partnered. I have a partner in my business. Do you need a partner to run your business? No, nope. but there's a time and a place for a partner. It's not for everybody. So I get that question constantly. You have a partner, you're successful. I need a partner. 
No, you don't need a partner. You might need a partner, but not because I have one. So let's talk about it, right? So we talk about that too, because it can be, it can be powerful if it's done right. Our guest is Lee Yoder. Thanks for being on the show, Lee. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure, Whitney. I'm honored to have you on the show, Lee. Lee, he says, no one in his family invested in anything other than a 401k before he got started in real estate. He bought his first three multifamily properties within four months of each other, and he is able to involve his family in their multifamily business and maintain his priorities, which are God, wife, kids, and his real estate investing. So Lee, grateful to have you on the show. I love that you have your priorities in place, and I want to get into that just a little bit, and obviously just the name of your company and what that means. I just think you and I would agree on a lot of things as far as that's concerned. And I think a lot of the listeners will as well and will appreciate you know, your outlook on how you've been a successful because of those things, those priorities. But give us a little bit more about you and let's just jump right into that and maybe where you're located. Yeah, sure. I'm in just north of Cincinnati, Ohio. Like you said, yeah, I didn't have really any entrepreneurs in my family that were starting business or, or investing or anything. So I didn't know I was an entrepreneur because I didn't know what that looked like. So I'm actually a physical therapist by trade. And I was actually doing home health physical therapy, which was great for the family because it's very flexible. It's a good income, but I was just really bored. I mean, not fulfilled, not challenged. So kind of got in on the corporate side and started climbing the corporate ladder, which was very exciting for me. I was really building out our uh, home health physical therapy division. So was getting experience building a company a little bit. So that was very exciting and very challenging and fulfilling for me not so good for the family. You know, had, had a couple young kids. My wife and I were starting our family. So not good in that way. So I actually went back to doing the home health physical therapy, but involved real estate. Before this, a friend had kind of tipped me off to that. So I read the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, like everybody, and, you know, thought, and it just, you know, like a lot of people spoke to me and I started to realize, like, I think I'm an entrepreneur. I think, I, you know, I like this. Now, my dad's in construction and I had done some construction growing up. So real estate, you know, seemed kind of natural to me anyway. I like the idea of doing rehab. So yeah, I kind of jumped in and flipped the house pretty quickly, but again, wasn't able to control my time. So again, it just wasn't good for the young family. My kids were young, so they couldn't really be involved in, in the flipping parts. So my wife just felt like a single mother for you know a few months while we were trying to hustle to get it done. So yeah, Whitney, you know, like you said, I'm really focused on, I mean, real estate for me is an opportunity to, to be challenged, to build something, to build wealth, but also be able to control my time because that's the most important thing to me so that I can still pursue my walk with Christ and pursue my family and do that really well. So real estate, you know, like I said, the first flip, what wasn't really like that. So, you know, it's not easy to do that. Real estate doesn't make that easy. You know, when you're building something, when you're being an entrepreneur, it can get very busy and you can, you know, be consumed by it. Especially, I think a lot of people that get into it are those type of people that really enjoy work like I do and and really just want to go after it like your hair's on fire. And you got to stop and think, Hey, what's most important to me? So that's been a journey for me. That's where we came up with the name Threefold, where my wife and I, you know, intend to partner with the investors that we work with, but we also partner with God to make sure that we're keeping our priorities straight and that we remember why we're here on earth and that it's, there's a lot more to it than just, you know, building a real estate portfolio, even though as a career, that's my ultimate goal. No, I couldn't agree more and, you know, just how important our walk with the Lord is and, and how He has guided us and blessed our business as well. He's been very kind, of course. But also, you know, you mentioned in your bio, like you're a, a ready, fire, aim type of guy, and it causes you to slow down and elaborate on that a little bit, because I think there's probably many listeners who are in that same boat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll just say, I think it really takes two things to be a good, a successful real estate investor. And I think the first one is Grant Cardone. I didn't read the book, not necessarily a huge fan, but he wrote the book you know, called 10X. And I think you do have to be able to have a big vision 
Because I would say, I don't know what you'd say, Whitney, but like maybe 95% of people have never really thought about owning more than their own house. So I do think you have to have that, be able to think big. I've got that in spade. You know, God did give me that. So I don't have a problem with that. I can, I can think pretty big and, and come up with dreams that most people would say, Lee, you have no business dreaming that, you know, it's, it's so far off. But the other thing I think you really have to have that's a real challenge for me is the compound effect at Aaron Hardy and just staying diligent and doing the little things day after day after day that take you toward that big goal instead of the shiny object syndrome or, you know, just kind of trying to stay busy, but doing little things each day. And that's where I struggle. So where I feel like God has been working on me and he gave me a wife that struggles with the 10X part. She thinks owning our house and, and me just doing physical therapy would be great. Just stay safe, save a little bit and, you know, do that whole route. That's what her parents did. That's what my parents did. So, but she's really good about keeping the details straight. So far, I don't have a partner in all this, but my wife has been my partner. But I feel like that's something God has really been working on me and just slowing down a little bit because, you know, I always tell her when we flipped the first house, it didn't go very well. If she'd have been all in like me and just, hey, let's just go, 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 go. I probably would have flipped 10 houses, but that wouldn't have gotten me closer to my ultimate goal of owning larger multifamily deals. So the fact that we did kind of slow down after that and go, let's take a breath. Let's think about this. It caused me to not flip another house. Because I think you'll hear a lot of guys that flip 30 houses, then they bought some small multifamilies. And then 10 years later, maybe they realize, man, you know, the bigger multifamily stuff's where it's at. And they got into that. Now I was slowing down and listening and educating myself and having my wife say, you know, that flip, here's why it wasn't that great for our family. So because of that, I didn't flip 30 houses. I flipped one, you know, realized, hey, that wasn't what I'm looking for. I'm ultimately, I'm trying to get a multifamily. So let's go that route. So it took us a year to flip the first house and move into multifamily, but we moved pretty quickly because I didn't, you know, just try to stay busy and, and just do a bunch of things by flipping a bunch of houses, which I probably would have done if it weren't for my wife and, and for God leading me in a different direction, slowing me down a little bit. Well, I mean, a year from your flip to getting into larger multifamilies, I mean, pretty quick, I think, uh, for most people, yeah. you know, so I think that's, that's really good. You know, and it's unfortunate. A lot of people are, you know, they're getting started for a long, long time. You know, it's like they're say they're getting started in real estate, but it's like three years since they, you know, got started, you know, uh, getting started. So, you know, but I wanted to go back a little bit to, unfortunately, I've heard great things about that book, but I have not read it, but it is going to have to going on the top of my list uh, very soon because uh, I've heard great things. But I would love to know some of the daily things, you know, that changed for you after reading that book or because, I mean, I have a similar story as far as, you know, how my habits changed and some things that happened that like, okay, you know, I can start seeing success in my business and and I'd give all that, you know, glory to the Lord. But, you know, it, it, whether it's through a book or, or whatever, but what were some of those things for you that helped you to see things that you needed to do different? And, you know, even if they're little things. Yeah. Well, I think when I, now that I'm really trying to get into apartment syndication, I think, you know, following guys like you and Joe Fairless, you know, what I realize is to buy a big apartment building, you've got to raise a lot of capital. Okay. And a lot of things go into that, right? And it's, it's a long-term relationship you've got to have with people and you've got to build up that network and you've got to build a brand. You've got to do a lot of different things like that to build up the capital. And then in order to really find good deals, you got to build a lot of relationships with brokers. You might set up a, a mailing campaign, do some things like that. What I would like to do when I get up in the morning is just jump online and look at deals. That's the fun part, right? Like, so that's my natural is just, no, I'm, I'm just going after the kill. I want to go look at deals. That's not the compound effect. To me, that's like the 10X thinking of like, let, let's go big right now and, and just get after it. The compound effect to me is getting up and saying, okay, 
how, what am I doing today to build long-term relationships with some new investors? I'm starting a podcast. I build a website. That's stuff that you can do today that's really not going to pay off for months, you know, maybe years, right? To me, that's the compound effect is doing the things that say, what can I do today that's going to benefit me in a year? You know, when I jump online and look at a deal, I'm trying to find something to put under contract today. And that's, you know, the deals that are available to people that want to do that aren't, aren't the best deals. And then are you going to have the capital ready? So what I'm trying to change is when I get up to resist the temptation to still look for deals right now, but instead do the little things to raise the capital for those big deals and do the little things to develop relationships with brokers. Yeah. So just building out my brain, it, it's all the little things that go into that. And we get into more of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you and I had talked that Joe Fairless is, he wrote a book called the best ever real estate syndication book. And I, I think that just lays it out. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day. 